Hey everybody, it's me, it's Lenora from It's a New Dawn for, It's a New Dawn. Uh, I'm an RN holistic health coach and it is actually, you're going to see, see the sun shining in from outside. It's very early. Well, not really early. I'm up at 5.15 a.m., but it is about 8 o'clock a.m. in New Jersey and I'm recording this early because I have the privilege of talking and sitting with Kathy Tate who is from Australia. So her time, it's about 10 p.m. over there. And this was the way we were able to do it. And I'm just so honored to be sitting down with her. Uh, I met her, didn't meet her personally, but I put my little thing on Facebook asking if anybody was interested in sitting down with me on the podcast. She was one of the people who responded back. A little bit about her, Kathy Tate. She is the bald warrior is an author, a speaker, a podcaster, a transformative coach, and management accountant. She is the founder of the Bald Warrior Movement, which spreads awareness of alopecia and fights social norms, inspiring women globally to start believing in themselves, take back their power, and live authentic, uh, authentic, oh my God, authentically, oh my goodness, authentically. Thank you by sharing her personal struggles of death, bullying, domestic violence, self-sabotage, and single parenthood. Kathy's first book, Bald Warrior, will be published later this year, and she also teams up with Daisy Papp from Florida to deliver the podcast, Bald and Blonde, Mindset Evolution. And we'll give all that information at the end, and also it will be in the show notes. And I am just so excited to be sitting down with her. If anybody knows me... Uh, you know, I have issues with my looks. Uh, I'm working on that. I'm not perfect. I am human. I've had a lot of trauma in my life that took a physical toll on my face. I had a car accident, you know, uh, it's spinal meningitis. I had a lot of things that went on with my appearance. So this was something I really wanted to do. And I was telling Kathy before we started recording that I was rushing and rushing to put on my makeup and get my false eyelashes on and I'm going to cry because I'm just, you know, she inspired me not to do that because she was like, let's meet without any makeup. And I was like, oh, I can't do that, Kathy. <laughs> so this is as close as I can get. I don't have the false eyelashes on, but I am a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm okay. I'm good. So you, you uh, look beautiful. Oh, thank you, you so do. much. You absolutely look beautiful. And uh, hi to everybody out there. I'm <laughs> Kathy. Uh, I just had to say that because um, a lot of the time we really do not realize how bright we shine. We cannot see our own light a lot of the time. And sometimes it takes somebody else to just say that. And you are doing that for so many other people. So please allow me to do that for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. This, this is what drives me, I have to say to you, because I've been in your shoes and I understand so well exactly how you are feeling right now because I was stuck in it for 30 years. I was stuck in it. I was so consumed with this need to look like everybody else, to feel beauty by society's standards, to match what the magazine said I should, to bow to what the men at the nightclubs found attractive. 
all of those things. And it crippled me uh, under wigs where I hid and had this giant secret my whole life. And honestly, I lived in fear of being found out that I wasn't pretty like I looked from the outside. Um, because I had the self-belief that, that I was a freak. Honestly, my story starts when my sister died when I was just a young child. And it was a devastating, devastating time for me. And because I really didn't get taught how to deal with those emotions, I believe it, it manifested and my hair started falling out. And I was just nine, nine years old. And these patches of hair fell out and... Um, you know, I, I, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody had ever heard of alopecia. No one had ever seen it. And I was living in a small town. So there were no real specialists to tell us, you know, so we were all very, what the hell is happening? And uh, it started years of doctor's visits and specialists of every kind, every field you can think of trying to figure out what was happening to me and if we could fix it. And I actually- Can, I, being, can I ask what happened to your, your sister? She had leukemia. Oh. Now we're talking 40 years ago and thank goodness, you know, we've got the advancements in medicine to save children a lot of the time now that have leukemia, but 40 years ago, that just did not happen. And you um, think that that triggered the stress? I do because she, okay. she was my best friend and suddenly mm. she was gone. Yeah, I believe that. I believe yeah. that. And, and we didn't really, you know, get taught how to deal with that loss or that death. So absolutely, I believe that triggered. I believe I internalised the, the, the emotions and my body had to let it out somehow. That's what I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Um, you know, so it was really traumatic for me. And I, I often, I find that with the people that I work with, it's, it's those traumatic events and whether we've dealt with them or not, that actually will cement inside us and cause us to self-sabotage or to act in a certain way or to have these belief patterns that guide our actions for years and then they become behaviour patterns and they become self-beliefs and thought patterns, just like you feel about yourself as a result of having your appearance altered out of your control and not in the way you wanted. It's that loss of control that we try and fight Mm -hmm. And that's what I did by wearing wigs. I was trying to fight it and go, no, I am normal. I look normal. I can be normal. I can be like everybody else. Right. And that is what I lived. But meanwhile, I was, I was not telling anybody outside my immediate circle what was actually happening with me. And so I effectively shut myself off from any connections yeah. that I could have. Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that is a very important part of this story because it's very hard to be happy truly without connections. It's mm. hard to evolve without connections. It's hard to be the best version of yourself you can be without connections. I so, preach that. I preach it. Yes. I preach it, Kathy. That's like our pillars of health and wellness, right? For mind, body, and heart support yes. and connection. And I did the same thing, you know, I had a car accident at 19, but I also had bulimia for six years and um, I was abused and all of that. And I isolated 
you know, isolated, isolated, isolated. It was a very lonely world. <laughs> yes. Very lonely, lonely, lonely time. Yes. So I, I definitely can empathize with that. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. Um, it's great that we get to share our stories like this. Um, you know, and my one rock through all of that was my son. I, I had a son at 21 uh, to a man where I was trapped in domestic violence. Um, I managed to get myself out of that. I was quite young and, and I, I got out within two years. And so I brought my son up on my own. Um, and he has always grounded me and inspired me to try and find a better way because Beautiful. I was not going to allow the traps I had fallen into to become his life. And so, you know, instead of being, uh, you know, stuck in the pain of having gone through domestic violence, I decided instead I will go, here is my good thing. Let's live for him. And so that's how I kind of turned my life around from domestic violence. And all, all he's, a lot, was... he's, a lot, he's a lucky boy because I have to say, I have a shirt that says the world's okayest mom because I was just kind of okay. I have five kids and I, you know, I just did the best I could and the best I knew and the best that I knew wasn't so great. <laughs> so your son is very lucky. At, at times my best wasn't so great either. And, you know, I've got a couple of stories that we kind of tell between us um, that are, are, can be kind of funny, but actually are mortifying. You know, I, he, <laughs> he, he was out four-wheel uh, bike riding with his mates one day and he flipped the bike and it fell on him and he came home. Now, I'm going to add in here, guys, that I was mum and dad. So I was a bit of a tough love mum because I felt like I needed to, you know, make sure that he evolved masculine as well as feminine because there was no male role model. So I was very much a tough love mum. If he fell out of the tree, well, get up, you know, don't, Climb so high and fall out again. <laughs> that kind I'm, of thing. I'm like that so, too. I'm like that too. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So when this motorbike fell on him and he came home with this sore arm and he thought it was broken, I just went, no, it'll be fine. Just go and have a hot shower and lie down and let's just see how it goes. And so I, and I didn't take him to the hospital straight away to get a check <laughs> until the next day I took him and it was broken. So I was oh. mortified that I had done that to him and so he teases me about it to this day so I've had some bad moments yeah wow wow <laughs> but the instinct wow. was there to get him away from that man and keep him safe that was an instinct there was some instincts that I followed that turned out to be the best things I could have done for him so he has turned out um, <laughs> rather fantastic despite um, my failings but th that's just that's just being human nobody and get everything right mm. and we can only ever do the best we can with what we have at the time we have it like mm. you know my mum fucked up by not teaching me how to deal with the loss of my sister her and I have had deep conversations about that and I've forgiven her because she was just doing her best and mm. meanwhile she lost her child holy shit yeah I cannot comprehend what that would mean I think yeah. I would die if I lost my child. So how I would. You know? I know. I know. Yeah. And I, yeah. oh my God, we're very parallel, but different. My brother committed suicide. My oldest brother, he had PTSD, Vietnam. 
And my mom had, we had, had 11 children. So he was the oldest. And he, he killed himself when I was nine. And it was just like a downward slope from there. And uh, what you just said, you, your mom lost a child. I never thought about that. It was selfish, you know, like, what, what about me? What about me, you know? Well, my mom lost her firstborn, yeah. you know? You, you don't think about that. You know, and I was well, I able do to, be, especially because I only have one, maybe it's even bigger for me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. But, you know, I have forgiven my parents and especially having five kids. I, I always went back and like, oh, my God, how did my mother do this? Eleven children. You know, it was like. <sighs> yes. That's you know, so you put, put your, you, you, yeah, you think about where they came from their childhood, what they had to go through. Now, this is all path that we have to take. You know, we all go through it, I think. So, mm, you know, thinking sure. about. Yes. So. Yeah, so we all have those bad mum moments for sure. Um, and that was a great thing about that movie they brought out. It was just like, ah, sometimes, <laughs> you just, sometimes you just need the margarita. <laughs> right, right. A glass of wine, margarita. Right, 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 right. Yes. yes. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but here's another turning moment for me, you see, because my son's actually 26. Um, I just turned 48 myself. And um, now I got my head around that. I'm quite excited about my 48th year um, and the impact I'm going to make. He's 26. He's all grown up. He's about to get married. Uh, but a turning point for me was when he left home because it, he was my only child and I was mum and dad. And, you know, I'd had a couple of serious relationships during his life, but for the majority, it was him and me against the world. So when my son grew up and left home, it had a huge impact on me. And one of the things that um, it made me sort of face was who was Kathy? if she wasn't Chris's mum fighting for their life. Now I had to figure out what, what was left after him, like what was for me now, just me. And I'd been a mother my whole adulthood. You know? I get that. I get yeah. that. As a matter of fact, I dealt with that this morning on TikTok. There was a woman who came on sobbing because her two kids have, are gone, you know, the, the one son was living with her with the wife and they just told her this morning that they have found their own flat and, you know, and she was sobbing on TikTok and I have not had emptiness syndrome. I mean, I do. I've always felt like if your children are happy and they're flying and they're soaring, I did an okay job. You know, it's like, okay, I did something right. Uh, if they're miserable and they're not happy, that's another story from like kicking them out. And like, I do have my daughter home. She's 23. She's the baby, quote unquote. But, and I have four boys. So the four boys and her. And, um, but she's not home a lot. And I do get my free time. Uh, but I've, I've formed this like existence. Like you're saying, what is your existence if you're not the mom and dad? Well, for me, I feel like I've always yearned for that this time for myself, 
you know, because I came up with 11 children. There was always chaos. There was always sharing. There was always, they're taking my clothes. They're, you know, there's never my stuff. And then even, you know, I got married at 21, had my kids within eight years, right? And there was, there was never the peace, I guess. And so I don't have that. I just feel wrong. It's coming. Then, no, no, I don't think I'm ever going to feel that though, because I feel happy that my kids are happy and that they're thriving. Oh, okay. yeah, you know what but, I mean? But, yes, I do. But let me expand because there's a lot more than just the kids left me. Who am I? It's, yeah. it's, I was very happy that he'd left home. I made it happen. I helped him buy his own house. You know, mm -hmm. And I said, you go off and do that because I knew he needed now to not have me around. He was 18. He'd got an um, amazing job. He got a house that was stable. So I didn't have to worry about him. I actually went across to the other side of the country with a man I met. But I guess I'm, I'm sharing it because it was now a search for me. Because it was the first time that I only really had to think about what it was that I was really passionate about. And if it wasn't, Christopher was my life purpose, you know, because not only did he save me from domestic violence, he, he was the reason I created opportunities and channeled us through life so that I could give him everything I felt he deserved to be the best man he could turn out to be, you know, and that's the way I, I did it in my head. So once that purpose was no longer really needed of me, I had to find this, this new sort of direction. And so meeting the guy kind of got away in that for a little bit, um, but it was certainly fun and exciting uh, journey on its own. Uh, but when that kind of ended, it was a boom. You know, it was a, I can't live for anybody else. It's time to live for me. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people that I work with and talk to um, say the same thing is that they don't know what their true passion is. They just, they don't know. Like even my mum and I have had this conversation and she has struggled for a couple of years, we've been saying, talking about the same sort of things. And she's like, I don't know what my passion is. And it's taken a lot of work with her for her to sort of start actually edging towards figuring it out because she'd almost given up, you know, she, she, she like, do you yeah, feel I'm like there's, do you feel like you're never too old uh, to, you know, old to find your passion? Like I always joke and say, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Because, you know, I'm almost, I'll be 56 on November 1st, but I, I'm, it's always health and wellness. It's always this. I'm an RN, I'm a holistic health coach, but I'm always like searching and looking for the new things and do Never new things. Never too late. I, I don't think we should stop learning to the day we aren't here anymore. You know, I, I really think that's what life's about. It's about a series of, of lessons. And how good those lessons are is up to us. You know, we can put a whole, eff, whole heap of effort in and we can take bigger risks because the lessons will be bigger from bigger risks and they might hurt a bit more. But damn, there's some awesome stuff on the other side. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah. I'm about just jump in like... You know, I, I have a I have a creed that uh, 
I guess I teach. And it's five simple step, steps to just absolutely change everything in your life, right? And I think if you can work with these five steps, I think, you know, you can be exactly what you want and, and have the life you want. But can, first, can you condense those five steps and tell us? I can. I can. <laughs> that would I be can. great. <laughs> that would one, be great. I want to change one my life. Is, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> first, you've got, you got to own your shit. Mm-hmm. Right? So you've got to take responsibility for exactly where you are right now because every, everything that happened was a choice one way or another. There's no blaming anybody else. It's on us. So that's Right on. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Like my, my motto is my mom, she's 93. Yes. She'll be 93 oh. in February. Her thing, <laughs> she always used to say, either shit or get off the pot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that good? I yeah. say it all the time. My kids yeah, are like look. mortified. But like, you got to Like, that's what changed me because yes. I cannot change my husband. I can only change myself. Yes. Right? If I yes. want. If I want, or I could say, I can't take this anymore and I'm going to leave instead of, I've got so tired of the scowl in my head and the anger and trying to change him and why, why, why? And I finally realized my thoughts and actions shape my reality, right? My decisions. So I cannot agree with you more. You either shit or get out the pot because I've heard people and I'm there to listen, but it's just, you got to either... (laughs) <laughs> Shit or you gotta own it. it. You gotta own it. Right, right, you right, can't, right. You can't right. move. Right. right. You you yeah. can only do so, yes. good for yourself. Like you, whoever yes. you're trying to change, not gonna happen. Yes. Not. Now, which brings us to step two: mm-hmm. embrace fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. Because, you know, one. that's that's the thing that really holds everybody still. Because under every single thing, there is fear. No matter what type of fear, how big or little it is, we all have them. We're born with two fears, but we create the rest ourselves over our lifetimes. They're learned things, which, I, which means to me that if you're afraid of something, if it, if it physically makes you feel a reaction... That's a flagpole to me. It's like, hello, I just found your thing. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Let's not fight it. Let's go and make friends with it. Mm -hmm. Let's embrace it and Mm -hmm. hug it close and go, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And then get comfortable with that. And then the fear kind of just will dissipate. I like to say what's the best that could happen. I like to get that in my head. What's the best that could happen. But I'll tell you fear. My biggest fear is fear that I'm just not good enough for anything that I try to do, but I just do it anyway. <laughs> and then well, just- that's good. That's good that you do it anyway. I think I believe in that too. I really do. But you know, the Fear that you're not good enough is a deep-seated um, self-belief that you've grown up with because of your trauma. And, you know, my podcast partner, Daisy Papp, she can fix that for you. You just... I mean, I do me it. I do it. If you, if you would like to change that, Kathy, just let me know. I love you. I definitely want to... 
I definitely want to keep in touch with you. I love your whole aura. Um, yeah, I'm that's, but I'm doing the podcast, which, you know, I've always, I love sitting with people and I love learning about them. And, uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not the best writer. I hate to put that out in the universe, but I've always had a better time talking. I like to talk and you see, I'm using just the plain things and I'm sitting in this little, it's not the best setting. I got my little cheap setup, but I'm doing it. So I'm very yes. proud of myself for doing it because that, yes. that was and, a big and, fear. And you know what? You, you get to pat yourself out on, up, out on back for things that we do do, you know, because when you walk into the fear and do it anyway, that's a big thing. Absolutely. You know, and for me, it was going bald. Can you imagine yeah. after 30 years of seeing one thing in the mirror and then taking that out into the public, you know? And for 30 years, I didn't like what was in the mirror. I had to change that first that's, before that's... I could take it out public. So, you know, when I say embrace fear, I know what I'm talking about, guys. I know you do. I know you do. And there's so I many things it. I want, so many things. I want to finish your, your steps. But, like, you just, I mean, we started, I wanted to know about the alopecia and how you went through it and blah, blah, blah. There's so much I would love to know about you. So, but I do want yeah, to so finish I'll, I'll the run th through the, the other three steps fast so we can get to yes. the other stuff you want to talk about. Yes. Step three is define norms. I'm all about stuff, social norms. Let's do it your own way. Let's find your own individuality. You know, social norms have grown from cultures and I don't believe that they're always uh, valid and current anymore and they're things that need to be knocked over, you know. And my fight is to make boldness just another hairstyle instead of it being such a stigma for I think it is I think men. it is I think it, it is. is I think I have women contact me who are too petrified to go to a job interview without their wig on what does that say to you they know they'll be judged because it is still out there I yeah. oh no I know that I'm not saying that mm. it's not I'm just saying that I think that it's being more accepted I, I, even if it's a little bit, because when I saw you, I was like, she's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, if I could just do that and like, I would do it. And I also said my, one of my best friends had, had cancer and, uh, she had no hair. It was growing back when I met her for the first time and then her cancer reoccurred, but they, her, she was, she did not lose her hair again. But I said, if it happened, I would shave my head for you. And I had every intention of doing it. And I would have, it would have been crazy fear, but I, I would have done it. I would have but, done it. I'm yeah, not, you know, the, and the, the reason was strong enough to risk, to risk the fear, the fear of shaving yourself bald. You would have done that before your friend and your love for her. So mm -hmm. we just need to find the thing that's strong enough to push us you know, that, mm -hmm. that there's always a thing. You've just got to find what it is inside yourself. Mm -hmm. So step three is to define norms because I grew up under the pressure of norms and I don't want the next generation to. Step four mm -hmm. is to have a big dream, dream big. And step five is to manifest the dream. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're very simple steps and, and we work with a lot of people to sort of help them walk those steps because 
they're general for a reason because they apply to everybody in their own way. Right. When you say manifest, it's, you know, I always think of, uh, and I'm, I don't do this, but a lot of people will like the secret, you know, when the secret came out and everybody just would sit there and go, I'm, I'm wishing for a $5,000 in front of me to pay, you know, and they don't take action. Yes. I am huge on manifestation, but you have to move. You have to do the action. I've seen so many people. There's a lot more than just wishing. That's true. It it didn't come true. I wished for it and I read the secret and I listened to the tip, you know, but it's just so much more. It is work. You got to lead your way through there and manifesting is important, but your thoughts and actions shape your reality, but you got to actually do the action. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, absolutely right. And, and for us, we, we kind of teach that all together, how to, how to get the whole formula not just, mm-hmm. you know, the piece of it you've heard about what people might think manifestation is, there's a whole lot more to it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it is a good description of being able to make your dreams into reality. And that's really our final step because we want everyone we work with to live their dream lives. That's right. what we fight for. Mm. Right. So yes. I'd like to, like to go back to your story and the struggles of your death and bullying and all that stuff. And... Um, if you want to go there. Yeah. I'm an open book. Anything, okay. anything so, I'll share. So you can start and like, what was the process when you were like, did you shave your head? Did it just come out? Did it tell me? Oh, you know what? I, I look back and at some points I definitely wish I'd shaved my head. Um, but I had no role model to tell me how to take my power back. Every adult in my life was telling me to hide under a wig. So I thought that was the right thing to do. I mean, that's really the important part of that story. I didn't shave my head until my 30s, and that was to actually wear a more expensive type of wig, <laughs> so, which wouldn't come off, which removed all the whole... Right, so here's the thing. When you are forced to wear a wig because you're hiding something... And one gust of wind can blow it off your head. Mm-hmm. You spend your whole outside time waiting for something to happen to it, right? Mm-hmm. You're carrying around this whole edginess, this tension, because you, your secret might be revealed, mm-hmm. you know? So the type of wig was so important, you know? And, and um, you know... Uh, how it looked. I had to look real or people would know my secret because I'd been teased, you see. I had this whole years and years of trauma um, and the teasing really cut home. When you're a young girl and you're just still forming your opinions about yourself and your self-worth and how pretty you are and all those things, to to be desecrated verbally by guys is is utterly devastating. So... I had a whole warped sense of self-worth. So I understand how that is. It's horrible to feel that way about yourself and believe it. And I did for for many, many years. And to add salt into the wound, I I turned 12 and my father died unexpectedly. Mm. So, you know, within four years, 
half our family was just gone. You know, my poor mother, she, she just completely emotionally shut down. She just couldn't, couldn't deal. Like she just, all she could do was go to work and earn the money so that we could survive. Um, and I ended up going away to school and, and living with other families to do a special like sort of training course and, and flying planes, which was amazing, but it was all sort of hiding the wounds, you know, um, which kind of just festered and kept reappearing as my hair loss. So I didn't go completely bald. I, I had patches. Yeah. And then uh, by about 11, they grew back. And then about a year after dad died, they fell out again. And then they grew back and I had my hair for about five years. And I thought I was cured. It was great. You know, I right. felt normal. Um, I had a proper boyfriend who didn't know about it. And, you know, I, I felt amazing. And then I broke up with this lovely guy and bam, it came back. You know, you think this, like, that's such a mystery, the alopecia. Do you think, well, I definitely think it does, it's, it's manifested from stress in the body and issues in our tissues and all the trauma in our lives. But do you think that that's the cause? What do you think is the cause of alopecia? Alopecia is genetic. Um, it's like any autoimmune disease. You have a genetic predisposition because you carry the gene. And then this is my understanding that that's how, how that works. And then my, do you have anybody, is, do you have anybody, you know, that has it in your family or. Yeah. My mother's grandmother had it. Oh, okay. Mm. And right. we only know that because mum saw her with her hair down once. That's the only okay. reason we know that. And, and so in the beginning when mine happened, they didn't know it was genetic. They just thought it was, and they just went, oh, it's stress, which is not helpful in any way, shape or form because what is mm. stress? Yeah. Right? Right, right, so, right. Okay, so when I talk about it, I believe that I had internalised my trauma so many times. The only way for my body to deal with it was to manifest it some way and because i carry the gene it triggers this okay that's that's what i believe so if you yeah. have a, a gene that genetically disposes you to cancer your trauma might trigger cancer yes 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 for sure for so sure that's my belief whether that is correct scientifically nah i'm not sure anybody actually knows they don't know how to undo alopecia or fix it or cure it the only thing they figured out so far is if you rub this substance on your head every single day for the rest of your life, you've got a chance of maybe growing some hair back. That's about mm -hmm. where it is. So, mm -hmm. but for me, that isn't the solution. For me, the solution is to teach the world that um, these, these ideals around hair being part of beauty and necessary is ridiculous. What changed you? Like what changed you to go the other way? This positive mindset. Um, it was an involvement of my thinking. Um, and it didn't happen all at once. It kind of happened in like mini stages. I figured things out and um, I, I have to say that the, the partner I was with at the time also 
did help me a lot in changing the way I thought about myself because he was also bald and he had faced many stigmas in his life and, and torn them down. And so he was very adamant that I needed to also go, no, you can't judge me because I'm bald and I needed to own it. So he helped me see that that was possible and it was okay to think like that because I'd been very much brought up to bow to conditioning and convention. Like, I, you know, it was right. the way it was in our English white family. <laughs> you did mm-hmm. the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was society and our reputation to protect. And, you know, that's how I was brought up. Whereas this guy, he was like the renegade. Right, the start, right. he was, he was um, an Indigenous of New Zealand. So he was coloured. So that was one thing that he'd had to fight as a child, poor mm-hmm. and black. And mm-hmm. then uh, as an adult, he was bald like me. And so he'd, you know, face that in, a, in the way that men do have to because they have their own story around baldness too. Anyway, his, his experience helped me see a part of the picture. And the other part of the picture was changing... Um, my self-belief that I wasn't actually a freak just because I had grown up believing that maybe it wasn't true maybe it wasn't right maybe I was mistaken about that and maybe all those things that happened weren't about um you know me obsessing about looking like everybody else as I started to gain a different mindset I actually realized that what was staring me in the mirror for all of these years was actually my duty to help other people go through the same learning and involvement, but not take freaking your whole life about it. Let's, you know, let's do it. How did you do that though? (laughs) How did you do that, Kathy? That's so huge. That, that you did that. How did you get to that point? That's, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying. And um, I, I had to know. do a lot of healing with, with little Kathy because little Kathy was the one that was really traumatized and hurt. The small and, self. And, and, and no one had ever gone and um, supported her emotionally. And and held her when her sister was suddenly missing and nobody had shown her how to replace a father figure in her life um, and not be used by men. Um, You know, so I had to go back there and it was painful. I think I spent a year crying almost every day. Um, Having said that, there is actually a shorter way to do it than what I did. Did you go go to therapy? No, Did you go to therapy? I, I, I got no help at all. I, I struggled and figured everything out on my own. And it would have been a lot faster and easier on me had I known the people I know today. But I didn't meet all these amazing people. And so I started doing this myself. And then suddenly, whoo, mm-hmm. I've got hundreds of them around me, which is amazing because, you know, so many of them are inspirational for me. But I knew none of them back then because I, um, you know, I was isolating myself. Um, I was only just starting to learn how to actually communicate. 
Mm-hmm. It's taken my whole life to start learning how to let myself be vulnerable and let people into actually how I felt. There hadn't been a point in my life before 40 where I would let anybody in ever. Maybe my oh. first husband for the first year, I let in a bit, but I shut him out fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Why we ended up divorced. Um, my second husband, I hardly let in at all because he was very... We won't go into him, but <laughs> let's just say that That's okay. he's a whole episode on his own. <laughs> that was really cute. You turned your head. Do you have a, do you have a tattoo on your head? Oh, yeah, I, just, I sure do. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Whoa, what is that? What is that? Tell me. It's a What's dragon. Called? Oh, it's my goodness. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, and what what yeah, is that? Sig- that what yeah, is that? Sig- story. There's a story is that? for the dragon. Yeah, I figured. I figured. <laughs> yeah, I keep going all over the place. Uh, everybody, you know, Bear I don't have guys. anything. I don't have anything <laughs> scripted here. We just kind of go with the flow. Sorry. Anyway, no, I'm not sorry. Actually, the woman I talked to on Thursday said, "Do not apologize. Yes. Do not. Own it. You are own it." When, Oh, that's exactly what she said. And I'm like, and I was really good until the end. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry that she says. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Tell me so about your, the, me about your dragon, dragon or whatever else. Actually, I had, the, uh, I had the Facebook memory the other day. It's three three years since it was um, in, in being created because it took a whole month. It took five tattoo sessions, 20 hours in total to do it. So wow. it was a really big deal. Um, and I knew there was a dragon there. It took me about two years to find the right tattoo artist to do it. But um, actually getting it done was the most empowering thing I have ever done in my life. It just made me feel amazing about myself because wow. I, I felt like I transformed something that had crippled me my whole life into my crowning glory. Oh, and, I love this. And I love people asking me about my tattoo. And, you know, of course, <laughs> the first thing everybody asked was, did that hurt? Um, <laughs> I was going to say that, that but I felt like it was so cliche, because... like, so did it hurt? But I, I want to know what it means. I want to know it, what the dragon signifies for you. So, yeah, the dragon is um, symbolic of my belief in um, things that you can't see. That, you know, the, my belief in spirituality, I'm a very big spiritualist. I have been for all, all my adult life. Um, and, but I'm also a believer of magic and a, a believer in, you know, mystical things. Things that we don't even understand yet doesn't mean they can't happen or can't be true, you know. And I think that that's that sort of... Um, that space where you don't know that uncertainty can be looked at in a way of, of 
infinite possibility instead. So instead of going, I'm fearful because I don't know what happened, how about I'm excited because anything could happen? Yes. That's kind of what the dragon means, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and I I'm love living, it. I'm living proof anything can it. happen. Holy oh. shit. If you would have told me I was doing this, you know, seven years ago or eight years ago when I was turning 40, I would have laughed off my chair, rolled around on the floor going in your nightmares. It will, that will never happen. And here I am, like I'm the last person I would have ever expected to do something like what I'm doing. So, you know, if I can do it, you all out there can do it too. Yeah. Oh my God. When you say you're excited about the possibilities, I have to tell you, I may be fearful to be like, look in the mirror and, and, but I'm so much better. Uh, but I'm excited to get up in the morning. Like I'm excited about the possibilities. And I, I, when I run in the morning, I'm asking my, I'm grateful. And I do my gratefuls in my voice memos. And I talk about things that haven't happened, but I want and manifest. I'm grateful for having all the money that I ever need in the bank. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for the awesome connections that I'm going to, that I make today on pot, like, and it excites me. I'm excited. So you, you, I can feel that. I feel it from you. And I, I, I hope everybody can feel that because I love waking up in the morning. I love it. Not all the time. Well, not all the time, but most of the time. Well, I want to put this out there to your listeners on that because, you know, everything can't be fantastic 100% of the time because if it was, you would have nothing to compare fantastic to. Right. So, you know, sometimes we need to have a shitty day to appreciate <laughs> the good day. Sometimes we need to have something crappy happen in our life so we can look at the other things and go, fuck, I'm actually really lucky, even though that happened. Maybe that person needed the lesson, you know? So just try and spin it around in your head and look at it differently, guys. I like to, whatever it is that you think you're thinking negatively about, think of it like a dice and just roll it out and find another number and, and look at it from another perspective. Challenge yourself. I, I just that. came up with that then. It sounds good. To <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other parts of your story you would like to share before we do like our last, you've, you've shared so many tidbits of wisdom already, but um, before you part with us, sharing a last words of wisdom or any inspiring words? Or? The, the, the most important thing I would like to say to your audience is that um, each one of us is completely unique and that is a gift, not a curse. So whatever it is that you're struggling with about yourself, let's try and flip it on its head and go, okay, I've looked at it my whole life as being negative or bad. What if I did the opposite? What if I flip it on my head and go, I've got this because there's a greater purpose. What if I've got this so that I have something now to teach somebody else? What, what, what if? Let's just look at the infinite possibilities of what it is you're struggling with from a different perspective. And you might be surprised 
what you come up with. So I'm just Amen. Throw, that at, throw that at them. Throw that Amen. at them. Amen. I love that. I love it. Where can people get in touch with you? And I will have all Kathy's uh, whatever link she wants me to share in the show notes. But tell me. Well, where we, can... we, have, we have our own podcast too uh, called Bald and Blonde. Um, and so we have a website for that. It's probably the fastest way to find me, baldandblonde.live. You can mm-hmm. listen to the podcast on the website. You can find out about me. You can find out a bit more about Daisy and there's links to all our other stuff there. Um, we also have a Facebook group, which everybody's welcome to come on in. That uh, five-step Bald Warrior Creed, we've actually made into a dream life roadmap and we do a lot of work in our Facebook group with people helping them get there. So that's Dream Life Creators Bald Warrior on Facebook and um, we'll have all the other links in the show notes for you. But, you know, that podcast that Daisy and I do, we really believe that we can tr- radically and, and speedily help people change their mindsets. So we urge you to come and have a listen uh, because they're short 20 to 30 minute episodes. And in every single one, you'll learn something so amazing about the way your mind works and how to change the direction of how you think in such an easy way that it'll shift you in your life. Every single episode, I promise you. So come on over and join us and our growing sort of listeners because we're finding that um, it really is making more of an impact than even we realised it would. uh, And we're really excited about that. I'm definitely going to be listening to that one. Definitely. That's for sure. Just hang out for one second. I know it's late over there. It's probably 11 o'clock over in Australia, 11 p.m. Oh, good. I'm a night owl. Okay. Um, And I'm not apologizing, but I am apologizing for those who are on YouTube. The sun has been beaming, although it's beautiful. The sun has been beaming down on me, and I didn't want to, like, move everything while you were talking. So it is what it is, everybody. Okay, just that you know. Anyway, my Google number is 609-429-4058. All these, this information, all my links are going to be in the show notes. So my website, uh, YouTube connection, podcast, uh, what else? And the Google number will all be in the show notes. But you can text me, leave me any feedback. If you want to be on the show, that's the number to use. Uh, I talk about the raw bar, raw bar. Every time I do my podcast, I am an affiliate and an ambassador. They are not a sponsor, but I absolutely love this company. They give 10% of their net proceeds to feed the hungry children worldwide. They are organic. They are vegan, but they fit any diet. They have uh, 11 to 13 net carbs no artificial sweeteners, uh, put together by coconut oil, really good for the brain, everybody. Coconut nectar, blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. A company's based out of Minnesota. It's a small company owned by Jake and Rachel. They're a young married couple. They're beautiful. I just love them. If you can support me a tiny bit, use the affiliate code in the link below. That helps me and it helps them. So, um, Use that code for me, guys. Support me. And that is about it. 
And I want to thank you, Kathy, for being with me. I truly, truly appreciate it. I was really looking forward to sitting down with you. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful and blessed evening, Kathy. Everybody else, wherever it is in your neck of the woods, have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank Thanks you, so much for having me. You're so great. welcome.